Right, we're going to take our seats in a moment, but uh, before we do that, as usual, we'll take our declaration. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I've been filled with the knowledge of His will, and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, I am pleasing Him in all respects, I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His Word. The Word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I said amen. amen. And now that's what God is going to do for us again today in Jesus' name. Amen. We have come this evening to learn about prayer again. The special word to you take to him in prayer that will get results. We will hear that again today in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats quickly. All right, quickly, let's open our Bibles. It's our school of prayer again. So let's continue learning about prayer. First Kings chapter 18. First Kings chapter 18. Of course, we know the story here is about Elijah and the people of Israel in the time of Ahab. I want to apply that to our lives today as believers in Christ Jesus. There has been famine in the land for some time. And um, that was because of the word of the Lord that came through the mouth of Elijah. And now the climax of the whole thing, they gathered everyone. Let's just read from verse 17, 1 Kings chapter 18. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is this you? You troubler of Israel. He said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you have followed the Baals. Now then send and gather to me all Israel at Mount Carmel, together with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. That is, she's the one sponsoring them. So Ahab sent a message among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Elijah came near to all the people and said, and that's the message for today, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? Please notice that. How long will you hesitate between two opinions? Last time I told us we are going to be talking about, is it, uh, the cure, like something anyway about double-mindedness. I want to say something about double-mindedness. So what is Adagia is saying here, how long will you be double-minded? How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, that's opinion number one, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. I'm not going to read beyond here. I think that's I think I can stop reading here because we've gotten to the point. We know the rest of the story. We are not here to look at that story in detail. So we just wanted to see this statement that Elijah made to the people. He said, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If God is God, serve him. If it's Baal, then go full for him. And Jesus said that to us also, that um, if you are double-minded, that is, if you are lukewarm, then God will not, you know, he will not be happy with you and will spit you out of his mouth. What is lukewarmness? 
Lukewarmness, again, is being double-minded. All right? Please bear these things in mind. All right, quickly, let's see what James says about this also. Now, everything God wants to do for us is on, is activated. Of course, we've said this before. All God's promises are where? Uh, all God's provisions are where? In His promises. All God's provisions are in His promises. And if you are going to receive the promise of God, it's going to be by faith. Alright? Now, let's quickly read what James said in James chapter 1. In verse 5, he says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, that is what we are talking about, curing double-mindedness, all right, in believers. We're talking about prayer, because prayer is without effect. And I'm going to tie this to what we've been talking about on Saturdays. I hope you're getting my point. Now, we began to look about the matter of faith again, all right? Now, prayer is ineffective except it is prayed by faith. A prayer of faith. Now, there's something we used to learn those days. We say prayer of faith, you pray once and you don't pray again. Uh, not necessarily. I'm not saying there's no prayer like that. Of, of, of course, there must be. You believe you've prayed about something, you just leave it there, and you're not going to pray about it again, believe that the Lord has done it. But that is not what makes something a prayer of faith. A prayer of faith, the one that we're referring to that James talked about later in this chapter 5 here, you know, that prayer of faith was, the one it was it referred to specifically, was a prayer that Elijah prayed after the portion we read in 1 Kings chapter 18. That is when they had finished the sacrifices, the God that answered by fire had been shown to be the true God, and the people had decided to follow him, and they had made a slaughter of the prophets of Baal. And he now went to pray. And that prayer, he kept on praying it. He stayed there until he saw the results. Do you understand? So he didn't do what we say. Okay, just pray once and walk away. Now, I'm not saying that is wrong. I'm just trying to say that what makes something a prayer of faith is not that you did that. Because if that was the case, then Elijah, Elijah didn't pray a prayer of faith. I hope you're getting my point. Because you pray, you tell the servant, go and check. You pray. I said, the servant, go and check. And he did like that seven times. What makes something, the opposite of prayer of faith is simple. A prayer of doubt. A prayer of unbelief. And that's the things we are talking about. That, um, these are the things we are trying to explain. There are different types of prayers of faith. Every genuine prayer is a prayer of faith. Did you hear that? If the prayer is genuine, it has to be a prayer of faith. Bear that in mind. If it's a prayer of intercession, it must be an, a prayer of faith. If it's prayer of agreement, there must be faith in it. Do you follow my point? If it's prayer of, give me another type of prayer. It's a prayer of supplication, it must be of faith. If it's a prayer of thanksgiving, it must be of faith. If it's a prayer of dedication, it must be of faith. For the prayer to be effective, it must be of faith. Do you follow my point? What we used to do is, they say those is that there's a prayer of intercession, there's a prayer of dedication, and there's a prayer of faith. No. All genuine prayers, all prayers that are effective are prayers of what? Faith. Let's bear that in mind. So doubt has no place in any one of our prayers. That's what I'm going to emphasize. Doubt has no place. Okay? 
doubt has no place. Because without uh, faith, if there is doubt, if we are double-minded, now that's the best way to explain what doubt is. Is that double-mindedness? It is, I read as Elijah first because it helps us to see what doubt really means. Because what people call doubt a lot of times is when they are not so sure. How do I say it now? Who can help me out? That is it. You are doubting. Are you sure? You are not sure. That's not really what the Bible is calling doubt per se. Doubt is literally when you are huddling between two opinions. I don't know what I get my point. Like, okay, remember the person I said came to my office and said that, um, can I help? Okay, they were doing some appointments, felt I had the power, and I said, I don't have that kind of power. I said, but you know the, the big boss, the man, the ultimate. I said, 300 people also know him. I tried to, yeah, that, that's the reality. You may say that, ah, this man is my friend. It's true, but he has 300 other friends. <laughs> and, yes, and if everybody, and really, literally, these people are all on his neck. There was a day I went to a big establishment like that, and somebody said, please let me talk to this man. I said, no problem. And the man, I didn't get to see him, all right, but I just started discussing somebody else. And I said, ah, somebody said I should beg the big boss for him. He said, he was talking to the big boss earlier. And the man, they were doing employment. He said, the governor of the state sent 10 names. Did you hear what I said? And this big man is planning to take, I think, only one person out of the 10 names the governor submitted. The senator representing that district, I can assure you, sent a few, and, and I'm not guessing, the igwe of the immediate community and the other community, because they are striding different communities, they submit names. So if you think I know the man, so I should go out, the man will look and say, you're not even a governor of Ross. <laughs> no, so that woman was in my office, said, please help. I said, from where shall I help you? He said, talk to the big boss for me. He said, he's your friend. I said, he has many friends. And I know the kind of pressures these guys can be under at such times. She now said, mm, please try and help me because I have nobody but Jesus. So I said, why don't you talk to the Jesus? Now that's what the Jesus is about. I said, why don't you talk to the Jesus? He said, well, Jesus come down. That's what they call huddling between two opinions. You just said to me, you have Jesus. Then you argue with me whether Jesus will come down or not. It is called huddling between what? Two opinions. You're not settling in one particular place. That is what they call double-mindedness. Double-mindedness is believe, claiming you believe one way, but behaving another way. Double-mindedness, listen, is this. We get down and pray and say, God is the ruler amongst the nations. We quote scriptures like this. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. Therefore, do this one ahead of the other. Then we finish that one. Then you turn around and say, This ahead of the state does not know anything. This country is finished under him. I have a classmate that that's his specialty. So one day I lamented. After I finished, he posted something. I said, Oh, we are dead. We are dead. God has gone to sleep. Dear Lord, wake up from your slumber. He got my point. And as I was quoting some stupid scriptures for me, I didn't even answer him. I wrote the, a long one. I don't want to waste your time with the kind of things I wrote. But one of the things I said, I said, Dear Lord, you have slept long enough. Wake up from your slumber. I said, Our future is bleak. Our life is in the hands of one man whose breath is in his nostrils since our God has retired. Oh, we are dead. We are, I kept on writing like that. Please, I hope you're following what I'm going to say here. 
Double-mindedness. You see, you must understand something. Let me say it. Christianity involves a lot of discipline. A lot of discipline. Because you are, you, you are married as a man, you think other women won't attract you. They will. That's why the Job had to say, I've made a covenant with my eyes. It was discipline. It involves discipline. That's why the Paul said, discipline yourself for the purpose of what? Godliness. It's discipline. You know what's called discipline? You want to do something, you will do the opposite. You want to sleep, say, no, I'm going to wake up. You want to go out and say, no, it's not time to go out. I must stay in, even though going out is what I feel like doing. Christianity involves discipline. You will discipline your tongue. That's where I was going. There are times you want to say something. You will train your tongue not to say it. You will be angry with the president of the country, but you will remember you just finished praying. And you can't afford to be double-minded. One example I like to illustrate in my personal life years ago was when I was in university. I didn't like the subject about chemistry. And if, if you have done chemistry, there are very few odd creatures I have met in this life. They exist. Who like organic chemistry? Yeah. Most people don't like organic chemistry. Most normal people don't like organic chemistry. It's all these off human beings that will decide that benzene is their friend. Now, advanced organic chemistry was what we had to do, something like that in university, in what they call biochemistry. It's nothing but organic chemistry in living, in living things, that's in human beings. So just like I did not like it in secondary school, I carried it to my first year. I had two organic chemistry courses in university, first, year, first semester, second semester. I passed both of them grudgingly. And like, I just said, let me just pass you. Left to how I feel, I will fail you, but let me just pass you in the interest of peace. <laughs> And I thought I had escaped until one day I visited a senior and I picked his biochemistry textbook and I found the organic chemistry I did not like. By the time I got to my second year, we had three subjects. One of them was biochemistry and I didn't like it. So I didn't read it. Now I studied medicine, which you don't fill any course. You, you don't. There's nothing like uh, this is elective, this is selective, this is core. What are the other things they do? All those things. Like, like everything is core. Everything is... It's compulsory, mandatory, everything, and you must pass everything. So when the exam was approaching, of course, if you don't like something, okay, do you spend time with a friend you don't like? Is something you don't like, is that the one you'll be reading? Of course not. Didn't read it. Didn't like to read it. Many years later, I'm still angry. <laughs> that I was made to read it. Let's make a long story short. As it was approaching, I knew I had to, exam was approaching, I knew I had to pass. And one thing is that I found the course, because of the way it was, it didn't used to stick in the brain. I could understand it, I thought, but it didn't used to stick. It was structures and structures. We draw all kinds of structures. We draw structures of amino acids, structures of cholesterol, structure. And those structures, they are not beautiful diagrams. You understand my point? Other, in other courses, the structures are beautiful diagrams. You will, once you draw them once, you know them. This one's like, like today, that angle is CH3. You wake up tomorrow, it will be sounding like CH8. You will forget that CH, it cannot be 8, but it doesn't matter. What difference does it make? You don't, you. So it used to be very confusing. For that reason, it used to be volatile. So that's something I used to say. We used to just, ah, this vacuum is very volatile. It's very, very volatile. It's very, very volatile. So that day I prayed. I said to the Lord, please, you have to help me. I have to pass this subject. And the Holy Spirit made it clear to me. 
Of course, then I did not know it was the Holy Spirit. It was just ideas, thoughts that came to your mind. Number one, you have to start reading it. Number two, you will stop saying biochemistry is what? Volatile. And that's where I was going with the whole story. You know what I mean? Some, some of the volatile, some people don't know. You know what? When you, okay, you know, this is COVID season, you understand? When you just pour this alcohol base and the you know the way it dries up? You know, if it's water, you'll be doing like this for a long time and be looking for where to clean it. You know, that it has water. Water is not volatile. But this, this alcohol base sanitizer to use, once you put it, it just is cool. As you're rubbing it, it's vanishing. That's what they mean for some to be volatile. I thought some people don't know. That's how it makes. But all this one, because you, the testimony will be confusing. So something that disappears fast is what we mean. You learned it yesterday, two days later, you've forgotten everything you learned. That's what we mean. You learned, you thought you've you learned it very well. Next day they ask you, that thing you learned two days ago, yesterday, where is it? You've forgotten. So that's why I call it, we now apply that chemical word to it, the memory of it. That is volatile. So the Holy Spirit made it clear to me, you can't be saying that. You can't be asking me to help you with something and be declaring the power of that thing over my power. What's wrong with you? So, that day I finished praying. I went to class and sat down and dutifully brought out my biochemistry to read. And then somebody said temptation. temptation. You know, Satan is a tempter. He doesn't have power like that. He's a tempter. So he said one of my classmates, I still remember him very well. His name is O.K. I won't give you the full <laughs> name. He sat beside me. And I came before him. Okay, I think he was sitting there and I came and sat. And we were sitting next to each other to read in the evening. He too was reading about chemistry. And he shook his head. He said, man, this about chemistry is volatile. <laughs> oh, I wasn't the only one that thought so, really. All the Satans agreed. I mean, I <laughs> thought I was the only one. Many people. As soon as he said it, you know, the first thing the body wants to what? Yes, which is one of the things I teach my children. Be careful. Don't let your friends, you know that scripture, you don't join the multitude to do evil. Don't let your friends lead you to, you know that's what happens to a lot of young people, peer pressure. And not just young people, old people too, they have peer pressure. Once you go down to the bar, that's why I stop going to that bar. Once they serve you one bottle of beer, you're not thinking again. Nigeria is used there, yes, useless. You don't think so, but everybody is saying it. That's why you have to stop drinking. Say, Father Black, is anybody here drinking? You don't know. This one. You come to fellowship looking very nice and humble. Go and check them out in the evening. They, are, they have not been baptized. Apostle, you have to organize a baptismal session. We have to baptize and wash away a lot of secret sins and iniquities that brethren commit. They come down and they clean their mouth very nice. They have sinned with their mouth yesterday. After half a bottle, they are, they are, they've lost control. Talking all kinds of nonsense, you know? You know, communion service. You know what they call communion service? Yes, the one holding at the bar. Yes. Because once you are sharing the bottle, <laughs> you all have the same spirit. That's why Jesus poured wine too. So that everybody could have the same spirit. Be careful where you go. See now, when you open your mouth, you have to talk. A lot of people, they come under pressure. They say things they don't believe. That day, as that guy said that thing, I would, I had, my body was rising up to agree with him. Say, yes, we'll keep on reading. Remember what I told you? Christianity is what? Discipline. Instantly, I shut my body down. I said, it's not volatile. It, was, it wasn't up to an hour before then. I prayed, I don't know, somewhere. Then came to class straight from prayer. It wasn't up to an hour. What am I saying? We just, I just settled down to read. 
Maybe 30 minutes. And this temptation was beginning already. So I disciplined myself for the purpose of godliness. And let me give you another trick in life. Engage your mouth. I could have ignored him. But that one I didn't. I answered him. I said it is not volatile. Don't forget, Caleb, Joshua, they said, they didn't say there are no giants. What they said that if our God is with us, the presence of God in my life changes the volatility of the substance. I hope you're getting my point. That is the issue. The presence of God in my life changes the volatility of the subject. So I answered him, I said, biochemistry is not volatile. I just answered it like that. So I turned to him again. I said, biochemistry is not volatile. <laughs> then I turned to him a third time. I said, biochemistry is not volatile. The guy said, uh-uh. Like, <laughs> like uh, we fight before. If you don't agree with me, must you say it three times? But you know, for me, it was a spiritual battle. In case you do not know, God works different ways. I found out later. I passed that subject with one mark. 49 is fail. 50 is minimum. I got 51. And the, the reason behind it is even another long story. The day of the practicals, they gave me the worst of the practicals. I was to, I was to identify substances I did not know how to identify. But God prepared me for it. He gave me all the marks in the theory. I found out long later, maybe up to six months later, the day of that practical, everybody was crying. People failed massively. You got to mix some things. Okay, identify. You had the procedures. You go through the procedure number one, nothing. Number two, nothing. Number three, nothing. Time is going. They are timing you. Move to the next place. Ah! So, three things ago, I didn't identify one. Not my fault. Don't think I'm bad. Was it? <laughs> what, what just saved me was that I was dutifully de- documenting my procedures I was going on. But identify it. Bam. I think one week or so just came that day. Because they didn't give everybody the same thing. So, I remember the first test, they've gotten the substance. I mean, if, if they give us five tests, I ran all five tests on each one and got nothing. And I ran, as, I, as we finished the practical, I said, because the exam is different sessions. I've done this, MCQ, done this, practical. I went to my room. I was on my knees. Father, over, A-R-O. <laughs> That's one part of it, <laughs> which I, I, I don't often just about. God prepared, God knew that would happen. So before that time, he made me read four of the five questions I was going to answer almost immediately before I entered the hall. That's how he delivered me. But first thing, why I'm talking, telling this story is what discipline. You know why, why I say discipline? You will want to say one thing, but you will compulsively, de- deliberately say the other. You want to be angry with the head of state. You say, no, I am praying for him. After most of the anger is ignorance anyway. You don't even know what's going on. Some people don't even know how Asurok looks like. It's not your fault. Most Nigerians don't. Then you, you think you don't even know what's going on inside there. Talk to a friend this afternoon. We just give me just know some things. He, he knows big people, you understand? And some of the most powerful people here in Nigeria, he will tell me, well, I called him yesterday. And you know, he was telling me this. I went to his house. He said, he said to me, he said, Pastor Wangi, those people are very wicked. <laughs> he said, those people. He said, those people. He said, that's why I refuse to, I refuse to mix with them. He said, they are very evil people. Now, what I'm going to say is that, so, relax. You, you can't, your comments are not, so, you don't even need to comment. 
Discipline yourself for what? The purpose of godliness. Discipline yourself to say, I have prayed for him. He will do what is right. Now, are you, I hope you're getting my point. You don't feel like that. I'll give another example. Personal discipline that I learned. From the time I was very, that is years ago before I got married, I knew that the, your words are very powerful in the life of your wife, in the life of your children. I'm talking about children now specifically. You know, these are the two people <laughs> that can tempt you to speak. Men, listen to me. Okay, parents, let's talk about children. But the women are like, what do we do now? Let's just talk about children. Children can tempt you. You know, it's in the Bible. Satan is their friend. It's whispering to them, tempt daddy. Tempt mommy for me. You just wake up in the morning, you just do something outside and you look like this. You put your hand like this. Who begat me all these children? <laughs> you are reading that scripture upside down. <laughs> you just be looking like, what? I learned long ago, in the midst of the temptation, I will never tell you you are stupid. The worst thing I've ever said because of anger, worst I ever said to my one of my children called anger, I was so angry. It was a question. In anger, when I was shouting one of my kids, calling him and giving instructions, and he was doing the opposite. So I asked him, are you deaf? That's the worst. A question. That's the worst. I have flogged though. I'm not saying I didn't flog though. Some people think that, no, no, no. Ah, hey. <laughs> Foolishness is bound up where? What drops it, what drags it away? Hugging the child? It's a rod. I don't care what modern people want to tell me that that is violence. That's your problem. This is good violence at the appropriate time. Use it to cast out bigger violence later. Nonsense. I believe in rodding things. <laughs> but I'm talking about words. What my wife used to say those days, I say, is this a Jesus boy behavior? She will never tell you this is a satanic behavior. No. He will tell you, is this a, is a question. Is this a Jesus boy behavior? And it's discipline. You've never heard me say, this child will kill me. Where? How can you? So I'm not talking about two, it's one year. Two years. I mean, my the, the oldest of the kids is is uh, turned eighteen a few weeks ago. I mean, how long ago there? Yes. All right. So for eighteen years, I've not bungled because I've not been tempted. Forget that thing. Is what discipline? What did I call it? Discipline is deliberate. You will be so angry. This child will do something. You say, okay. I was saying that you never. They're not like, hey, this child though. Even things like you will not kill me. Well, who will allow you to kill who? What you will hear is that you will behave. You will learn godliness. You will fulfill the destiny of God. I will flog this behavior out of you. Those are the things. Do you know, prophetic words. Prophetic words. Words that if they were to come to pass, literally, they are good. Now, I'm talking about in anger. Because in joy and peace, our blessing is abundant. Blessing is abundant. For me to tell the child, and sometimes it's not as if okay, it's just a habit. I do it deliberately. My son helps me bring something, knocks on the door. Daddy says I should get your shoes. Oh, thank you. You are handsome. What has handsomeness got to do with shoes? It's a discipline. Oh, thank you very much. You will go far. I'm deliberately blessing him. The little one will come, maybe I want to eat, brings me water. Oh, thank you very much. You are a good boy. The tank is not good enough. I deliber- I'm telling you what I do deliberately. I just say, oh, you're such a good boy. I'm reinforcing it in your head. 
You know, sometimes I said it was on Saturday. No, last Tuesday. I said, my children, that if a witch threatens me, that I will cast a spell on your family, that I will tell the children. And I know someone like my victory will burst into laughter. If I can even lie down and say, Daddy, I'm under a spell. Why did I say that? Because they have not been trained in unbelief in that area. They are not afraid. They have no respect for the devil, for witches, for black magic, for the cursed person, the cursed person, the swear for person, they are doing juju somewhere, they are calling your name before an altar. My children have absolutely no respect for such. You can't scare them with it. They don't watch horror movies. That's one of the ways we train children in, in fear. Let me advise you as an adult, don't watch it yourself. I have my room. If I'm watching, if I'm sitting in front of the TV, movie looks like it's a horror movie, I flip the channel. Do you know why? I know how they all go. They always glorify Satan. It's done, unless it is Mount Zion that did it. <laughs> Do you get my point? There are these Christian, hey, when this one starts, once you just say, Mount Zion Ministries present, no matter what devil they are showing, I will watch. Because I know at the end of the day, Jesus will win. But once these secular people, especially Americans and Europeans, produce it, they, listen, most of them that do that are satanists, they are occultists. It's not just entertainment, it's the way they train the world to fear the devil. It's deliberate. They do it deliberately. The day I stopped was many years ago. When I was young, I didn't know what entered my head. I used to watch horror movies. I don't know why, I just loved it. I think it must be Satan doing mix. <laughs> if I've said inviting me in those days, but Jesus looked, 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 he said, snatched me, come up for your hand. I didn't even know. And one day, as a fresh graduate from university, fre- I just finished university, my exam, I just finished my exam. If I were not even gone back for our results and, you know, clearance and all of that, we just finished our results, my friend and I went to go and visit somebody. And I noticed something happened. I was afraid to go out at night. That was the day I stopped. I mean, I'm a man of faith. By that time, I had been a fellowship president. I'd been, I started teaching the word. Anointing to teach has rested on me by that time. Yet, because of the way the guy's house was, one of our brothers, he had a clinic somewhere, so we just wanted to stay with him for a few days. The way his house was, where we were staying, you kind of had to cross to get to the bathroom. It's their old model house, you know? So you had to kind of step out a bit. That short stepping wouldn't take more than... Two seconds. You, so you kind of see the open space at night, which is dark. Made me afraid. I was a man preaching faith, afraid. A man preaching the righteousness that's in Christ, afraid of the dark. That was the day I stopped. Why? Because the day before, or two days before, he had a video player in his house and he had cassettes. And he told us about this particular movie. He talked so much about it. I still remember the movie. I don't want to tell you the name, so you won't go and look for it to watch all right? So he said, all right. So we sat down and watched the movie. Interesting movie. Quite all right. But at the end of the movie, it was a horror movie. At the end of it, the same thing that happens all the time happened again. The Satan, the devil was not finally defeated. As the movie was ending, we saw that this, the devil still grew out of the roots. As if, your name is not Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only one that is a root. You understand? There's a, a stem from of David, something will sprout from there. Satan is going to the bottomless place, going to the lake of fire. What are we talking about here? But Satan, the, the, the movies make it look like he's going to rise again. 
Make it look like he's going to rise again. So I, I watched that movie that day. And the following night, I was afraid. For a few nights, not one day. Oh, that fear lasted some weeks. It was something I had to now be praying against. And listen, you can't be praying. I was listening to David Paulson. What is David Paulson? Yes, watching his video. David Paulson said there are three, there are people who receive the mercy of God. Number one, they ask for it. Truly. Number two, they give mercy. Blessed are the merciful. Number three, they don't take it in vain. They don't mock the mercy of God. He now gave an example. He said, imagine that you see a man drowning. You remove your clothes, jump into the river, you bring him out. And he says, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Save my life. Then he jump back inside. Then you remove your clothes again. You jump into the river. Drag him. I say, what's wrong with you? He says, oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you for saving my life. As soon as he finishes dressing up again, he jumps back inside. And after a while, he looks at him, bros, stay there. <laughs> he said, that's what happens if you keep on, you know, God forgive me, help me, then you do the exact opposite. So that's what you are doing. Now, what's the point I'm making there? That was the day I ended it. I said, no. There's no point praying to free yourself from fear. Then you sit down and let those who minister fear minister to you. I hope you know it's administration. Who said the color was sure, I think? Everything that entertains you, enters you. Did you hear that? Everything that entertains you, enters you. If, my, if Bob Marley entertains you, <laughs> Igbo is entering you. You'll be singing, get to have Kaya. Now, don't worry. <laughs> you think it's just a song. Get to have, and just be singing. Then one day, one of your friends go pass. Well, you want some more Kaya? You won't know. How did you know I wanted Kaya? It's a spiritual ministration. And before you know that, you have snatched it out of his hand. And you have dragged it. So is this the Kaya they are talking about? What you don't realize is that you have just fulfilled a prophetic word that you have been uttering for a long time. So if you hear songs like that, just say, get to have Jesus now. Jesus, Jesus. Listen, <laughs> I'm telling you, if you must sing the song, change the words. Change the words. But why bother? Nathaniel Bassi food there. Is it Monique? That's her name. She's there. They, 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 what's the name of that, my friend? Eh? Mercy Chimo, thank you very much. Mercy is there. Fill those ones with your head. So that as you are prophesying, you are being, that is, as you are listening to music, you are being entertained, those words are entering you, then you open your mouth to start prophesying accordingly. I got stuck here trying to talk about what? Discipline. That Christianity is what? Discipline. You discipline yourself for agreeing with God. In this generation, people just like to gather and insult the head of state. God is my witness. I can't remember failing in that area in more than 30 years. Papangeda was my head of state when I was in university. Abacha came along after a brief period of Shoneko. Shoneko was insulted every day in Western Nigeria. I don't know about East here. I was in the West that time. They called his government. If you hear Yoruba news that time, cast, Yoruba people cast as, if they cast news in Yoruba that time, you know what was the government called? Interim National Government. You know what they used to call it in Yoruba? The government sitting on half of his bumble. If I interpret it in English, that's what some means. Other than they say, the Peching government said, say the government that is Peching, 
Nilso, news. The, the, the third one they used to say that the government with one leg. A job I one-legged government. I'm telling you the way news, at least the one I had in my ear, Lagos and Nondo State. No respect whatsoever. The few months it lasted, listen to me, I didn't agree with them one day with my mouth. Not one day. Abacha took over till he died. I quarreled with people for insulting him. I did not agree with him. Uh, remember that guy? We had one guy from, was it from Inugu here or Abia State? What's the other guy? One million man match, Abacha. So Kanu something also. Daniel Kanu. You know, this Kanu people, once you see any Kanu, <laughs> apart from Kanu Wako, better check what they are up to. <laughs> any Kanu not carrying football. Ask the guy, come, let's discuss what's going on. Daniel Kanu, I disagree with Daniel Kanu every day. It was the one that is, is this thing was called year. Youth earnestly. There was, is it asked for a butcher or yen for a butcher? Anyway, ask for a butcher. He said if a butcher does not become the civilian president, they will make the country ungovernable. Then he organized one million man match that they were not up to 50,000. I didn't agree with him one day. They made everybody, civil servant Abuja, wear a picture of a butcher to go to work. I didn't agree with them one day. But I did not speak one word against the man. What's my reason? He's our current head of state. And I remember a few days, when did he die? June, okay. In around 1st of May, one brother insulted him. I corrected him. He wanted to turn to an argument. I withdrew immediately. I didn't say a word. But in the evening, I was going to speak. I warned everybody. I said, the man is the head of state. Leave him. If God is tired of him, he will kill him by himself. A few weeks later, the man was dead. I said, was well, this not what I said a few weeks ago? I said, when the Lord is tired of him, he knows what to do. I give God the glory. One negative word about him did not come out of my mouth. I was allowed him to over, the same thing. A passenger took over, the same thing. Herodot came in, in after him, the same thing. Um, Good Lord Jonathan came in after, the same thing. And our current president came in after, Good Lord Jonathan, I have maintained that. It's doable. I'm not saying it's not, I'm not saying it's easy. If I want one of my friends ask me a particular question, I say, bros, it takes faith to speak about this matter. I said, it takes faith to respond to this because I wasn't happy about how I felt. But I still had to respond by faith. It's called discipline. And there's a way to just make yourself feel good about it anyway. Let me ask you a simple question. So if you are angry and you, you, if you are angry, what will you now do? Answers. I, I don't know whether you're getting my point. That's why I keep on telling people. Some, some of my classmates say that we have to speak the truth. I say speak it to them. Now why are you speaking it here? I don't know whether you're getting my point. You want to speak the truth about banking? You are saying it to Kemuti. What is wrong with you? Why don't you come and say it to me? I say if you really want to affect what is going on, find a way to tell the people. There's no point heating up our discussion because we have to tell the truth. I say this is telling a lie. You're not telling the truth. If you wanted to tell the truth, you go and face the, And if you don't have the privilege, you say, what if I don't have? Then but shut up. You think if the president was my, my personal friend, I would agree with everything he's doing. I'll call him and say, ah, huh. oh boy, no, 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 I don't think that is right. This is be- I would have a discussion. If the governor is my friend and I don't like what he's doing, I will tell him. 
So it's not as if eh, because the Bible says that eh, you just want to be agreeing. No, it's not about agreeing. I'm saying stop prophesying negatively. Stop injecting unbelief into the air with your words. I hope you're following my point. We're talking about what is double-mindedness. Double-mindedness is claiming that you are following God, but he gives instructions and you don't believe them. I'm sure you must have seen this video because I was flying around about the Reverend Father who was speaking so harshly, angrily against Joe Biden. Now, if you go and see what he said, and I really, for your information, I agree with him 100%. Okay, not possible to 100%, right? Nothing wrong with his sermon. Let me just say I agree with him mostly. Maybe 95%. He said, what pains me? I want to use to define double-mindedness. He said, we have a current president who claims to be a Catholic. He said he's a baptized Catholic, but he does not believe any of the fundamentals of Catholicism. He said, if he was not a Catholic, I wouldn't be this upset. He said, but he's supposed to be a Catholic. He said, if he comes to my church, he, I won't serve him communion. He said, unless he repents. He said, it's a public figure, so his repentance must be public. So until he publicly repents of those his opinions, he said he can't get communion in any parish I'm pastor over. He said it. He said, I know there are priests who will give to him. He said, but not here. He said, who do I blame? I blame the bishops who have tolerated this nonsense for a long time. They don't speak the truth. Everything he said, I agree with. Now, I'm just using that one to explain what they call double-mindedness. I'm a Catholic, but I'm pro-abortion. I'm a Catholic, I'm pro... What's this gay? Homosexual. <laughs> All right? Um, no, there are words I don't use. Go and check it. I don't use the word gay. Go and check it. If you heard from my it's a mistake. I mean, we can make mistakes. I don't use it. You know why? Originally, gay in English had a meaning. The word was stolen, deliberately twisted to corrupt the minds of children. So I don't use it. Call a spade a spade, not an agricultural equipment. You know homosexual. That's it. Like instead of saying they kill unborn babies, they call it terminate a pregnancy. They make it look nice. You didn't terminate a pregnancy, you took a life. Say it the way it is, people will think reason differently. They don't say same-sex marriage, they call it marriage equality. This was as deliberately researched to confuse you and confuse me. So you know what happened? I refused to be confused. So I call it same-sex marriage. There's no equality in it. You didn't create marriage. One person created marriage. Adam did not know there was marriage. He was looking at the giraffe for companionship. Just didn't work. He didn't know there was marriage. He was looking at the lion. Stay with me. Lion, no. He said, Gabe Claire. Until God says, okay, good. You know, what I've said to you sounds funny. But go and check it. God told, the man named everything. After naming everything, there was not one fitting for him. They searched everything first. God now said, you see? Let's do the thing I had in mind. Now lie down here. He now created a woman out of the rib that he took from his side. He now brought her to him. He said, name this one too. He said, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. A woman she shall be called. Go and read it well. That's how he was naming the lion, the goat, just whatever. He was giving them their characters. But he couldn't, so he didn't know anything about marriage. It was God that brought up the idea. 
And God said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. And the two of them shall become one flesh. You can't change it. He didn't create it. There's no, there's no equality. It is an abomination for a man to marry a man. To even lust after a man is a sign of spiritual sickness. Both in the individual and in the society. Such spirits don't hang alone in people. They hang in climates. Listen, you know why I'm saying like this? In case you're only person, why are you praying like this? So that it can go into cyberspace and I can't recover it. You know, because a lot of pastors, they say, you don't want to be... No, let me say it now. You see, I'm not, I know I'm not popular. I don't have many followers on Facebook or YouTube. But I want things... Let it go. So I, I'm not a popular person yet. So let me speak all the things they don't want to hear from my mouth so that I will never be popular. It's good like that. And then tomorrow, if they want to appoint me to be ambassador from Nigeria, they say, no, he's anti... I like it. My opinions are out there. Because you know the truth? Most of our brethren on the other side, they don't say it. Because once you say it, fire, 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 fire against you. So they are afraid. Double-mindedness. I like the way that Reverend Father preached that, that, that is home, um, sermon that day. He said, listen, bros, if you are not a Catholic, I wouldn't be angry with you. But you are a Catholic. The least you can do is believe the fundamentals of Catholic doctrine. That's what we are saying. I'm not explaining what is double-mindedness. And let me say this way, this way I was going. The major problem. Somebody say major problem. Major All right. That God has, listen to me, is double-minded Christians. That is a major problem he has. That is why we have to fight, solve a problem for the Lord, please. Christians who claim to believe in God, but serve mammon. They claim to believe in God and in the Lord Jesus Christ, but their choice-making is purely the service of mammon. I don't talk about serving mammon now. What does it mean to serve mammon? Briefly, I don't have time for the details. Every choice they make in life is about self, is self-preservation. Is how do I preserve my life? Christians are forbidden for prioritizing preservation of their lives. What should be their priority? Obedience to the will of God. Let me give an example to teach you what I mean by Christians are forbidden. You remember this um, girl, Leah Sharibu. You know, they kidnapped a bunch of schoolgirls, and a lot of them were released. And we're told she specifically wasn't released, amongst those released, because during captivity, they made, because it was mostly a Christian school, all right? A lot of girls there were from supposed Christian homes. They made, converted all, all the girls to Islam. And the girl said, Laila, I will not agree. So it was part of the conditions for release, convert to Islam. She said no. That's what we're told. I hope you're getting my point. Now, it's the analysis of it that I'm talking about. Many people said, ah, she should have used wisdom. That she should have converted there. In case you don't know what it means to convert, is to deny the lordship of Jesus Christ. And then when she gets back home, she will unconvert again. Now, if you ever said that, you were talking foolishly. May the Lord forgive you. But let me just tell you, you were talking like a fool. That's what it means to talk foolishly. To talk in a foolish manner. Are you getting my point? Yes. That's how you were speaking. Do I think what she did was easy? If I was a father, for your information, I'm not trying to brag. If she was my daughter and I heard that testimony, I would be full of rejoicing. 
Even though I'm missing my girl, I said, no, thank you for not doing it. But it will have been painful. It will have been painful. But I will have said, I'm telling the truth. I will have said, thank you for not doing it. And I will thank God that he gave you the strength not to do it. Because that's not human strength. I will have worshipped God. I will have been rejoicing. They would have thought, ah, your daughter has been released. I said, no, she's the one that did not deny Christ. Because the primary duty of believers is not life preservation. It's obedience to God. He said, be faithful till the end. He said, you, have, you may have to resist sin to the shedding of blood. What is double-mindedness? Another good example. is Christians that will tell Leah Sharibu, you should have just denied Christ. Be released. And then you re-admit him back into your life. You think he's just there to be tossed to and fro? I hope you're getting my point here. I'm trying to explain what they call double-mindedness. Many people that time, pastors preached it, and they called it wisdom. That's the problem God has. People who claim to be believers, but they are living lives for the preservation of their own flesh. Who was it? Yeah, it was you. That told me the other day that you a church you used to go to. Pastor was preaching something, preaching something, preaching something. And you looked at it, this is not the word of God. And you were bold. Thank God for people like you. You carried your Bible afterwards to go and see him. Good afternoon, sir. Good evening, sir. Please, I would like to talk with you. And you opened the book of Hebrews. And you began to show him that his sacrifices are conflicting with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And after showing everything, what did he say he said that day? He said the church needs money. That was the answer he gave. This man went to him and said, Please, sir, I've been reading my Bible. The things I've been hearing you say in church, they don't agree. Open the book of Hebrews and show him things. The only answer the man gave is that the church needs money. That is Christian, a Christian who claims to be a believer, of course, and is serving what? Mammon. He's not serving God. Many churches are open because of mammon. They were started for mammon reasons. It brings offerings. One man told me one day, I'm thinking of starting something around here. The way he said it, I looked at him like, is it ministry you're talking about like this? No, there's more hope for you if you open a beer parlor. That's why some people say that I told Christians to drink beer. No, if you have to make a choice, that's what I just thought. You know, you had a smoking book. <laughs> I was, you know, if I see a man smoking a book, all right? A Christian smoking a bowl. I think there's more hope for him than a pastor who tells me the church needs money. So we twist the scripture. You also want to open something, thinking of starting something around here. Look at the guy like, is he a beer parlor? Because that would make more sense. It will make more sense. Ah, it's not like I feel the call of God to this district. I'm beginning to think that the Lord, because ah, one day Pastor Corey told me that, um, He's been praised with praying, and he feels his spirit being pulled to Meduguri. I looked at it. <laughs> People are being pulled to Port Harcourt. People are being pulled to Lagos. They are starting branches in Houston. Your own spirit in Meduguri. That was, was that three years ago or two years ago? He went there. Started the church there. Started gathering the ministers in town and teaching them every month. Only... <laughs> There are only two kinds of spirits that put people to such places. Either you, and you, 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 you are really high, you know, those fellow things, you know. You took a conch one, 
you know, original Ghana type, okay? No, 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 Ndo type is the horse and wild Ghana. We never go in those states. They grow this thing professionally in those states. Let me tell you the truth. Go and ask. <laughs> go and ask them. Go and ask them. NDLE. <laughs> those types, those are where they don't cook. It's settled where they concentrated, they compacted it with centrifuge. Either that or the Holy Spirit. Because nothing else. I'm not talking about today. With today, here, bomb, this one. And the man said, and his logic was simple. Of course, it's a call of the Spirit, but talking about how we reason, I know him, the way people like us reason, is that the only thing that can stop it is an infusion of the Spirit of God. And if you want to infuse the Spirit of God, you dive into the center of it and start putting the Spirit of God into the place. And if you do that long enough, the whole thing will die down. Because he felt, you know, in his spirit that one of the reasons why the thing was so hot there was that people ran away and there was no spirit to hold the thing. He said, let's go back there and inject the spirit of God. Mission-mindedness. I'm talking about serving mammon. So sometimes we say we are Christians. Every decision we make is mammon. What about the future of your children? You know, listen, I will say the truth. You know, Paul said, I have not withheld from you the what? The whole counsel of God. So I need to say it. And I shouldn't be ashamed of offending anybody. I keep on saying this because there are many young people listening to me and all of that. You can relocate to any country you so like. Just like I relocated to Enugu. It's not a country, but another part of Nigeria. Are you getting my point? From where I used to be. So, nothing wrong with it. The other day, I found out that 25% of the people in um, what used to call Swaziland, now Eswatini, 25% of the people there are HIV positive. You know what? I felt like relocating there. You say, why, Pastor Banking? I said, the word is needed. Because such things, only the... Just let me tell you the truth. I understand something here. Only the spirit of Christ can drive some things back. In case you did not know, we're not for Christ. There are generations, I said it the other day, last Saturday, last prayer meeting. There are generations that have been wiped away. Totally. And sometimes I look around and I see things like that still happening. And I say, you need to inject the spirit of Christ. So I can decide to relocate. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong in itself with moving from one country to another. Like I always say, Pai Elton was not born in Nigeria, was he? What did he do? He relocated from England or, or Scotland or whatever and came to Nigeria. True of us? All these missionaries you see, that's what they call missions. You live where you were born and you go somewhere else. So moving is perfect. It's the will of God. However, this is where I was going. Never open your mouth. Say that I'm doing this for the future of my children. You are destroying those children. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? Move. There are reasons you don't move. You say, I'm doing it for the future of the children. What do you mean? What do you mean? Because most people say that their brain is not balanced. One day, one lady, I heard the story. It was, she, she panicked. You know why she panicked? Her child came back from home and told her she's going to marry a boy when she grows up. A boy, just to the mother. I, want, I think I'm going to marry my friend. Why? So the mother said, why would you do that? You know what she did? What the boy did? Quoted for her, their vice principal in school. Ah, but he's a man, he's married to another man, something like that. The woman carried the woman, the boy, shoved her inside traveling bag down to Nigeria. He said, come and breathe fresh air. Come and breathe normalcy for some time. 
Let them pray for you and cast out this demon that's worrying you. Because I can't do it myself. I'm not kidding. So please, my Father in heaven, this is how to secure the future of your children. You want to hear it? It's very simple. It doesn't cost money. You don't have to travel. It's a corner of your bed. Sit down there. Kneel down. Before I used to say, pray for them and bless them. I modified the prayer slightly. First, give them to the Lord. Remember, I give. The child is not yours. In your heart, release that child to God. This child is yours, Lord. He will serve you. He will do your purpose. He will do your will. After you've done that, that if you notice, I'm adding that one to that prayer I used to give before. Something led to it that, of course, we keep on increasing understanding on a daily basis. Because at the time in my life, I was just reasoning about it. And I told the Lord, ah, there's one area. I pray for my children for a very long time. But something, there's a part of me, there's a part in which I have not fully. And I was reacting to things. I don't want to go back about it right now. I don't want to start talking about it now. So I suddenly said, no, no, no. Fully yield. So I, if I told my children, all of you, from today, you are all men of God, women of God. You will preach. You, evangelist. You, prophet. I told, now, nah, I wasn't being literal. I wanted them to know that anything God wants, you will do. First, give them to the Lord. Number two, pray to the Lord on their behalf. Then three, call the children one by one. Put your hands on them and bless these children. Bless them. Say to them, you will be great. You will fulfill destiny. The purpose of God in your life will be established. Say to them, you are sustained with green and with new wine. That God will make all grace abound towards you. You will never lack help. Wherever you go, the earth will yield its increase for you. Bless them like that. That wherever you step on this earth, you will be the salt of the environment. If there was war, your coming will bring peace. Speak to them that you are a blessing. I was trying to hide them. You tell a child, you are a believer, you are a Christian. Look at your head. You are a Christian. You tell the child, please, so Nigeria is dangerous. So I'm sending you to school in um, Sweden. That, child, that guy won't believe anything after that. You know what I have told him? The God that you serve cannot handle the danger in Nigeria. Let's be careful. I'm talking about Mammon. Remember, I was talking about that. Before, you can make any decision, but please, I feel like saying it. The future of your children is not in your hands. You know, Pastor Corey said something once. It's a revelation. This was when there was a lot of crisis in the north and all of that. People said to him, well, they see crisis there, okay? But people said to him that, listen, why don't you bring your wife and your children and send them down south for safety reasons and all of that? He said something. He said, they are safest where I am. That's what he said to me. He said, they are safest where I am. He said, my presence is a covering for them. I'm not taking them out of where they are covering is. Then stay with me. Don't think there was no trouble. There are nights that they will stay up. All they are doing is praying. Till now you can join him in midnight prayer. Every night. I don't know how long he's supposed to die. He doesn't, doesn't know how long. Right now, every night from 12 midnight, you can join him on Mixella. He called it the night cry. Midnight cry. So don't think people will say things like that. They're just, no. They can see the crisis. Then he said, no. He said, listen, I'm not sending them anywhere. 
He said, my presence is covering for them. Let them stay where I am. Stay behind. Like this, stay behind. Say, what if they kill you? Uh-huh. Is it, will you be the first person to be killed? You never heard of Stephen before? But you know the problem we have, Apostle? And that's why the power of God is restricted. Double-mindedness. People want to believe God and be safe. It doesn't work like that. Your safety has to be in the God you have believed. There is no safety elsewhere. You know what hinders prayers? I can assure you. Especially in a country like this. People say Christians are praying. I say most of them are not praying anything. Hear them talk in the office. You know whether they are praying or not. I discussed something a few about two years ago here. What I, no, about three years, four years ago. Our conversations. I say a new type of prayer. We have to bear it in mind. It's not only when we kneel down and say, Father, I want to talk to you that we are praying. When I'm talking to you, we are praying. It had the idea of the Bible said, those who fear the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord heard. And he took note. At times we go to God, we get on our knees, Father God, in the name of Jesus. He's listening. At the time you turn to your wife and say, sweetheart, the way this country is going, there's no hope. That is it. Let me tell you the truth. That's a more powerful prayer than the one where you said when you were facing God. Do you know why? When you were facing God, you were behaving yourself. You were not speaking the truth from your heart. You know, it's like when you know you want to know how a woman dresses. No one's church. You don't church on church. Oh no, crazy women do. You understand my point? When they are going to church, eh, the kind hot pants they wear. You know, Satan has come to church. You just know the devil is coming today. And there are some churches that are. <laughs> you go to some church, bless like, hey, This is the parade of iniquity. <laughs> some pastors they try. If not, I go put usher for you. Go put rapper for your body. It should be ushers are there, mask, uh, face towel, and um, all the call, sanitizer. This one, a rapper. Sis, come. Scared too short. Tie. You look, sis. No, tie him for here. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord is good. The point I'm making, however, is this. It's not normally for average people. It's not church you want to check how a woman dresses. Where do you check? Her office. Her classroom, she's a student. Go to a wedding she's attending. Because when she's going to church, she knows pastor is in front. And she has to dress to him. And if she's an Anglican in Enugu and many states around, there's this big sign that has crossed out all kinds of things at the door. And, and there are guys watching. Hey, okay, out of bounds. Jesus best parish, next door. <laughs> <laughs> they won't let you in. They won't let you in. So that is where, that's not where you check. That's how it is with prayer also. You know, I used to say something, you know, jokingly that, that the Lord doesn't come to church. What I mean is, He doesn't come to church to check your behavior. Only somebody looking for thunder will not obey the usher. If I tell the usher, tell him to go to the back and sit down. Once you look, the usher look me. Oh, Caressa, back we shall go. You go sit humbly. But when you reach house, lion of the tribe of the neighborhood, nobody can tell you anything. That's where God checks your character. Prayers like that also. When you turn to your friend and say, oh boy, I don't know what we're going to do. We're in trouble. That is the powerful prayer you have just prayed. The one you stayed up all night praying in church doesn't mean anything. That's what it calls double-mindedness. What am I preaching this evening? To every Christian to make up their mind. Because you know, you know what Elijah did? Elijah came and said, choose you. No, he said, how long will you be jumping between two opinions? Make up your mind. If you want to believe God, believe him. If you want to save the world, save the world. But stop coming to church and living like you don't believe in the God that has been preached there. 
That you are the reason why the church is weak. You are the reason why the power of God cannot be manifested. That's what we call double-mindedness. Because everything we believe God for has inherent... See, faith puts a demand on you. It makes a demand on restriction. You see, you know when people talk about God, 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 you understand? The number one reason people don't believe in God is not because there's no proof he exists. So I hope you know that. Okay, many of you don't know. People will tell you that uh, why they don't believe in God is that where's the evidence that there is a God? Those who know common sense will know that statement has no meaning. Because there is too much evidence that somebody, you may not call him God, somebody engineered everything you are saying. The main reason why people don't believe in God, should I give it to you in case you did not know, is that God puts restrictions. So when you believe in him, suddenly you cannot look at your neighbor's wife. Now, for the whole world, I'll tell you, the number one reason they don't believe in God is that God puts restrictions on their sexuality. Once you believe in God, words like fornication become a real word. They didn't exist before. Adultery suddenly has a meaning. Didn't have before. Abortion has a different meaning. In case you don't know, that is why people don't believe. When they say that, you know, all this discussion of say God is no God, don't get involved in it. You know the reason? What the person, I was discussing with my brother the other day, when he talked about, I said, some people, he doesn't understand. I said, wait, 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 politics, let me tell you something. You may see, you remember Donald Trump? You know, Donald Trump had a very funny behavior. You know. He used to fight like, he calls everybody names. What did he used to call, uh, what's the name of the American president now? Joe Biden. What did he name him? Uh, Sleepy Joe. <laughs> Nervous Nancy. Mini Mike. That's Mike Bloomberg. <laughs> Crooked Hillary. There was nobody he called a direct name. He had to, you know, like if he's in primary school. <laughs> the thing used to annoy me. It, honestly, it used to annoy me. In fact, as far as I'm concerned, it's one of the reasons why God said, go home. It have do. I hope you know the meaning of it have do. <laughs> God just said it's enough. Ah, he has some funny behaviors. Like what he did to us at the point that when Okonjo well, I wanted to take off, we were just angry. Say, bros, waiting now. Eh? When they wanted to renew additional appointment, you, you fight us. What do we do? Is there something anti-Nigerian in your soul? Okay, I think I now know why. I won't say it on, on, on air. I will tell you after. <laughs> eh? NDDC. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> the Lord is good. Now, I was there, brother, we were just discussing our house. I said, listen, but a lot of 70 million votes he collected. Why? Even from people who are angry with him. If I was an American, I would have voted for him. And that I would be angry, but I would still vote. He said, Pastor Banky, why? Because I won't discuss my reason now. But every, okay, I'll tell you, my reason is simple. Everybody has one interest that's pushing him first before, before every other thing. And my own reason, you say, why, why would you have voted for him? Nobody, no American, I've been seeing American presidents that are an adult since the days of um, Bill Clinton. I knew about George Bush Sr., okay? But I wasn't very aware of world affairs. But since the days of Bill Clinton, I've been watching world affairs. Nobody has defended Christians like Donald Trump. Nobody. Barack Obama did everything to show that 
he had more sympathy for Muslims than for Christians. So it's obvious. He blocked our attempts to fight Boko Haram in 30 places. We tried to buy arms from them. They wouldn't say. We went to, uh, to um, Israel. Israel wanted to give us helicopters. They blocked it. We tried to go to Brazil. They blocked it. We carried cash to South Africa. They blocked it. They said human rights abuses. You know, Boko Haram was taking over three local governments. Is that the time you discuss human rights abuses? When Donald Trump came into office, gave us drones, spy sats, imaging. What do you guys need? You think it's just ordinary either. The militaries are pushing everybody back. So, they, I mean, people just have one thing that's pushing them. And that was my own, that's my reason. It's not just a lot of things I said, but I have not seen anybody stand up for Christians without any shame like he did. I, you may say, but it's like this. I agree with you. I'm just saying that give me one American president that will stand up for Christians this way, the way this one did. All the other issues, don't worry, we'll solve, solve them one by one. It treats women like this. See, be, we see the way it treats women. Keep away from him. Abi? For four extra years. Or for eight years, whatever it is. I just, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just trying to say that everybody has one, what? An overarching interest that is pushing them. Now, back to what I'm saying here. Listen to this, all of us. We must have some that is pushing us in this life. And that is what guides our decisions. And what am I trying to say? The service of God, the being pleasing to God, doing the will of God, serving God, truly believing in him, must push us and make us make decisions every day. What you believe actually controls the decisions you make. That overarching thing is what I'm talking about. What am I saying we should do? We should give our hearts fully to the Lord. Fully. Sometimes, you know, I, I, I look at myself and I laugh. I want to do every little thing. I ask, will the Lord be pleased with this? Will the Lord not be pleased with this? Your primary assignment in life is not to preserve your life. Oh. That's not your first interest. Are you going to die now? I don't think so. God will preserve you. But let me tell you the truth. Even though we're to die, our death will glorify God. I hope you know that. What I've told the Lord, I don't want to die uselessly. You know what I call uselessly? Just be going on the road. You're falling into a gutter. Just die inside the gutter. You know? You wonder what's going on. I mean, people have been beheaded for Christ. Can't we get that? If you must die and I must just fall into a gutter, I hit your head at the edge of the rim. You, you, you never will be looking at Pastor Bank is sinned. And I would have to agree with you. I must have. That's not, you know, I hope you get my point. I mean, let's live a, a full life. Then if we have to die one way or the other, you know, because death glorifies God also. Yeah, that's what he said. He said when he told him this, he indicated by which death he will glorify God. Death glorifies God. What am I going to say? We may not die now. I don't believe anybody here will die now. God will pres- you, Listen, this is, it's not about living on this earth and there's nothing good here. Everything here is manageable. When you see heaven, you will know everything at the talk. So what we don't want is we stay here forever. But while we are around, you understand, we must fulfill the purpose of God. That's all it is. And my prayer for you is that every bit of the plan of God for your life, you will fulfill it in the name of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. Every bit of the plan of God for your life, you will fulfill it in the name of Jesus. Like Paul, you will look back one day and say, I've I've run the race. I've finished my course. The thing that remains now is just the crown of glory that God gives to me and people who endure to the end like this. Yes, the Holy Spirit will let you know it's enough. You've done enough. Well done. Good and what? Faithful servant. Having said all of this, 
Our primary assignment is not to preserve our lives. What's our primary assignment? To please God and to do his will in every area. What am I saying today? We'll continue talking about this overcoming doubts. All right? But what I'm trying to say is that, please, let's give our hearts fully to the Lord. Let's give our hearts fully to the Lord. Let's say to him, if I perish following you, let me perish. But I say to you, you will not perish. But what I'm just trying to say is that we have to be fully committed. Obeying God, I was saying earlier. Okay, in fact, that's why I went into that overarching thing. All right? There are many people that are arguing and arguing with you. Don't worry. They know there is God. They know there is God. That's why actually I, I, I mixed up what I was saying earlier. I now brought a different conclusion. What I was trying to say is that when they are arguing, arguments usually people are trying to defend their overarching interest. In every argument. You think they are being reasonable? No. Is that their interest that they are defending? And you are there knocking your head. Somebody says that there is no God. You know what? The truth is that he wants freedom. Why am I saying that? Okay, that's the point I was trying to make. I, I, I missed my track a bit earlier on, but I've gotten it back. Why am I saying that? Because if you truly believe God, he puts restrictions on you. Is that a restriction? Is those restrictions people don't want? And that's what I'm telling you today to accept. It will tell you where you can't go. Doors of opportunity will open for you like this. People say, this is your opportunity. You look. I'm sorry. Lest the king of Sodom says, I made Abraham rich. So close the door back. But there's nothing wrong with it. Lest the king of Sodom says, I made Abraham rich. You close the door. Nothing wrong with it. Too. By every law of mankind, by every general law of God, correct. But one thing is just this. The king of Sodom will say, I made Abraham rich. And you pull back. That's what the knowledge of God does for you. He puts restrictions. Oh my God. He puts restrictions on you. You will see a woman or a man. Let's leave woman for a moment. A single lady. This guy, eh? nice. You know what they say? Nice to the core. You know, there are some people that are nice, superficial, like okay, Muti. Everybody says, you know why? He's professionally nice. It's his job to be nice. He's a pastor. Although he's not nice. So. When you come and come, when you tell pastor, I want to commit suicide, he says, leave a note, and they put off his phone. He <laughs> 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 you know, okay, I'm oh, just kidding. Some, you know, this guy is nice to the core. You know the core core. You've tested him from every angle. Nice is his portion. He's just nice. He's just nice to the core. It's just too nice. I've also I forgot to fact to, to mention that he's very handsome too. You know? Handsome guy. Very handsome. And, and, and let's add the other side. He holds more, not too many peppers, but he has enough pepper for his life to be peppered. Are you getting my point? <laughs> <laughs> and then you know some men are very smart. He's made friends with your mother. Your mother likes him. Her friends like him. Your friends like him. And he says he wants to marry you. Know, and you know there are some boys they want to marry. You know they don't want to marry. 
Anybody that the day after you agree to marry, you cannot tell the day you are married. Is a, a, a joker. Send him to Apostle Okimute. He will use that unnice part of him I was telling you about to drive him away. Any man that wants to marry knows he wants to marry. As soon as you are agreeing, he's already telling you, okay, um, when can I visit your father? I'm going to see my father next week and we'll go and visit him. You know, he's ready, he's moving. But the one that I want to go and do masters first, just know that that guy is <laughs> not ready for anything. He's looking for a girlfriend. Then I say, I'm not available. When you finish your PhD, come back. If I still stay here, nonsense. <laughs> this, this guy, he's correct, ready. Can you say I'm describing somebody? Say, Pastor, finish this just now. No, I have to finish describing this guy. Complete human being. And then one day, maybe you went near his compound, you're just looking. I say, you have a new car. I say, no, no. That will be yours as soon as we get married. You know, it's, uh, just, uh, just a nice little 2016 Camry. You know, not too big, not too small. Ah! <laughs> I was Except for one thing. One day he said, ah, my pastor said, Sir, but these pastors, all they are looking for is what they will eat. He didn't even let you finish. You went to, because you were trying to be nice, you went and bought how to work for God from my pastor, but he gave to him. And a very nice guy, oh, thank you, so thoughtful of you, so thoughtful, so thoughtful of you, so thoughtful. The next time you see the book, you know, Stanley forgot to trim off one edge. He has not even discovered that there's a bound edge there. You know, sometimes they don't trim book where two pages are joined together, and this is page one and two. It's still like that. <laughs> Meaning what? He hasn't opened the book. Which church do you go to? You know, many Sundays I'm very busy. And these pastors, I just join them online. You know, sometimes I join Joel Austin. Other times I join um, Joyce Mayer. You know, sometimes uh, T.D. Jakes. In Enugu, now with the talk. Which church do you? All these are joining. They are in America. He hasn't been a judge in six months. Let me tell you how you will sin against God. Tell me how. No, no. Give me the answer. You now go and marry him? No. Apostle, you now go and pray. Say, Lord, should I marry him? That is a sin. Yeah, that prayer is a sin. Okay, no. <laughs> that prayer is a sin. That prayer is iniquity. You should have just said, are they come? Are they come? Now, Nigeria are they come? Not be, not to invite are they come? Are they come in Nigeria means, let me go. <laughs> I describe this perfectly to let you know the restrictions that the knowledge of God puts on us. Every other thing is perfect, except that let's use the women's side. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. Applies to men also. And do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. For what fellowship has light with darkness? Christ with Belial. No matter how nice that Satan is, it's not Christ. We will not follow him. The knowledge of God, you know what he does? He puts what? Restrictions. That's why people refuse to follow That's why people refuse to follow. Restriction on how you spend your money. Restriction on how you forgive people. You just be forgiven anyhow. You can't even be allowed to hold small grudge. I told you, knowledge of God took you. I played April Fool all my life. I was a child. April 1, we played April Fool. 
One day in university, I read that Solomon said only mad men do things like that. And that was the end of it. Knowledge of God puts restrictions. One day I saw, the Bible said you cannot curse a deaf man. And we were walking that time with a man that had a visual impairment. And people used to make signals. When I read that, you can't curse a deaf man. If you make a signal at me, when he's there, I will answer with my voice. Yeah, you are raising your hand towards me. What did you say? If the man is coming and I'm in a hurry, I will ask myself, if he had his sight, will he see me? I'm going to report myself to him. Good afternoon, sir. It's me. Oh, he'll bring out his hand. I shake because sometimes, you know, elderly people, they may detain you there. And you can, you know, when senior detain you, will they do like this? Yes, sir. You can't say I'm going somewhere. Yes, sir. And your mind, Father God, may he know that I'm going somewhere. So sometimes it's better to just dodge. But I will ask myself, if it was a man with his sight complete, will he see? Despite my own hurry, I'll go there. Good afternoon, sir. And he'll bring out and shake my hand. Of course, give me for a few minutes, talk a bit, and then bye-bye. Then I go. Why? Because one day I read my Bible. I said, you can't curse a deaf man. The knowledge of God, eh? He puts restrictions on you. When Israel knew God, they couldn't walk one day of the week. Friday night, everybody shut down. Until Saturday evening. That's Saturday, Friday evening to Saturday evening. Everybody will shut down. That's why many don't follow. And I'm saying to you again today, follow. Let's follow God fully. Let me end it with this. He loves you more than you can ever love yourself. You know, you are worried about tomorrow. He, he knows tomorrow. There's a difference between you and him. You are concerned about tomorrow. He knows tomorrow. He just doesn't want to tell you because he wants you to walk by faith. Just trust in me. That's what he's saying. Don't worry about tomorrow. Take example. Your children have said it. They are not your own. They are his. In the realm of the spirit, you are their elder brother. You are the elder sister. They are just in your house for training. So don't worry about their future. Let their father worry about it. You are not their father. Not their mother. The heavenly father is their true father. You are just a supervising guardian. One day you have to release them back to him. Let him worry about their future. What you should be more concerned about, that's why I said, I'll say it openly. I will not withhold from you anything. Please, don't release your children out of your sight until you have fully trained them. Don't let them go to university in another country that you visit them twice a year until they are real adults. Personal recommendation for me, using Nigeria of today. We are not in Syria, are we? We are not in Libya. In the Nigeria of today, so many fantastic universities. Please, let them finish the first degree. What's my reason? Your job, job is to teach them righteousness and justice. This morning in the, in, in the house, because God helps us in my house, Almost every day we have Bible lessons, you know, for prayer. This morning I just, in fact, because I woke up very early and went back to sleep. So next day I had a knock on the door. I was so surprised it was prayer time. I just had a knock. I opened my eyes. What is it? Prayer. You are late. Oh my God. I checked the time. Ran out. As I said, okay, we first did our meditations, read the scriptures, meditated on it. What's the lesson for today? I started t- teaching them about the appointed destiny for each person. I just closed my eyes. Holy Spirit, what do I teach my children? This some of these I taught today. I taught them this morning. God has a purpose for your life. You will have a gift. It may help you enter your purpose, but that gift may not be your purpose. Just like David, 
could play the instrument, but that was not the purpose. It was going to be a king and a prophet. But the ability to play the instrument took him into certain places, but he became a king and a prophet. We talk about you use those gifts, but don't forget. God has written the days of your life. You are not here to satisfy yourself. Your primary assignment, and for 15 minutes, we are going over this, and all the children were coming, because their older brother came from university. All of them were complaining in the house. At the end of the day, everybody rise. Say to God, the purpose of my life, I will fulfill. You are getting the point I'm not to make. Train them for the Lord. Then one day, release them. If one says them, I've been called, NYC, I've been posted to Bono State. Then that calls you from there. Say, I have compassion for the land. The Lord says, stay, be, the Lord says, stay behind. Pray and minister. Don't say, you want to kill me this boy? You want to kill me this boy? Hey, hey, hey. Start calling. No, tell him, no, the Lord will be with you. The Lord will be with you. Just clear to him like that. And we are his earthly father, earthly mother. At this time, we don't have to beg you to send offering. You know, the other missionaries you don't know, I've been begging you, see, you have not sent anything. Please, if you have never sent offering to a missionary in the north, eh? When we finish, come and meet Apostle. He will give you one of two phone num- um, account numbers. Abi, I will give you know, you know that other one and this other one. And we will show, I will show you how it works. At least once in your life. Even if you say, Pastor, I don't have money, 500 naira, transfer it. What's wrong with you? Think you want God to come out the peace you have in Enugu? May you distribute this quarrel small. <laughs> when they spread that out evenly, if you don't want that, you will sow a seed. <laughs> If it's your child, you know, you, we don't have to beg you like this. And God did it like that. Yeah, support him. Support his friends. Following God puts restrictions on us. And I'm saying to us today, accept those restrictions. Let's rise to our feet to pray. We did mostly talking today. We prayed at the beginning. But let's pray for a few minutes. As I was speaking, the Lord was speaking to you. Respond to the things that he said. I don't know what he said to each person. But when I say follow the Lord, there are areas each person knows, ah, this way I'm not following him fully. Sometimes, you know, they've told you save 20% for the, for the future. And you know it's a lie. It's a lie. They lie to you. Do not worry about tomorrow. That's what he said. He said, Pastor Baka, should, uh, yes, that's what I said. You shouldn't. Sufficient unto the days evil thereof. There are too many things you are denying. Fulfill those things. Begin to make up your mind. There are restrictions that the word of God has placed upon you. Begin to obey those restrictions now in your heart. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. For loose living, without restrictions. For loose living, without restrictions. Today, I yield myself again. That's what the prayer is about. Let's continue to pray and ask the Lord to help us. The area um, in which the word has ministered to you today, let's just pray and say, Lord, I submit myself totally to you. Every word, Lord, that you have spoken to me, Lord, I respond to that word. Brethren, you're praying for yourself, so pray. Every restriction, the boundaries, Lord, that you have set for me, I receive grace, Lord, to keep those boundaries. I receive grace, Lord, to keep those boundaries. They are for my good. They are for my good. So pray, 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 pray. Maybe there are doubts in your heart. Today we've understood what doubt means. Let's pray. 
and ask that the Lord will help us overcome every doubt. Let's pray that prayer. <laughs> Some of us don't even know that we are doubting. So we'll pray like David prayed in Psalm 139. Reveal my heart to me. Reveal my heart to me. Show me those areas, Lord, that I'm in doubt. Some of us don't know. So let's pray that the Lord will reveal our hearts to us. There are decisions I'm making each day that shows that I'm in doubt. Let's say, Lord, point those things out to me. Point those things out to me. Maybe it's with respect to my finances. It's respect with respect to my children. Lord, just put a finger on that place. Point it out to me. Let's pray. Let's take some three minutes to pray that prayer. Reveal those areas where I'm in doubt. Reveal it to me. So that I can confess and repent and I begin to walk, Lord, with you. I begin to follow you wholeheartedly. That I will trust you. That I will trust you. I will not trust my savings. I will not trust the connections I have. But I will trust you. I will not even trust in my giftings. No. I will trust you. I will trust you. Let's pray that prayer and say, Lord, help me to trust you. Help me to trust you. Despite the suggestions from each corner, Lord, just help me to trust you. Despite the many voices. You know, there are voices everywhere. There are voices everywhere. Lord, help me to respond to your voice alone. Help me to respond to your voice alone. Pray, pray. There are many voices. Voices from the family. There are voices from, you know, our environments. Sometimes even from the church. Preaching another gospel. But let us pray that we will respond only to the voice of God. We will trust only the voice of God. If he says, like, like he said to Peter, come, Lord will respond to that command. And we walk on water. Oh, pray. Lord, help us to trust you. No matter how difficult it is. If you say, stay here, Lord, help me. That I will stay in that place that you've asked me to stay until you return. Lord, that is our prayer. We'll receive strength, Lord, this evening. We'll receive strength, Lord, this evening. Not to be double-minded. We'll receive strength, Lord, this evening. To walk with you all the days of our lives. The Bible says an Enoch walked with God for 300 years. It was so clear. They wrote the number of years he walked with God. Let us pray and say, Lord, help me to walk with you all the days of my life. Help me to walk with you wholeheartedly. Help me to walk with you, Lord, with everything that you have given to me. Spirit, soul, and body. Lord, help me to walk with you. Help me. Help me. Father, we give you praise. Let's thank the Lord for his word today. Let's thank the Lord again. And say, Lord, you have always given us fresh bread from heaven. And we thank you again for feeding our spirits. Yes, give him thanks. Open your mouth and give him thanks. Say, Lord, thank you for feeding my spirit this evening. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Blessed be God forever. For the word, Lord, that you have sent to us this evening, for correction, for instruction, and for supplying grace to do, we give you praise. 
Blessed be your name forever. Lord, we are eternally grateful for this word. And again, we thank you for Pastor Banky. We give you praise. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Praise the name of the Lord.